Thanks, Colin and team. That's uh, six of the 12 that are heading to Japan in, uh, in May, our fifth year partnering with OMF in Japan using music ministry to help with the church plant ministries there. Thanks, guys, for leading us. Dangerous words to sing and pray, I was thinking, as we were just saying those together, hear my, hear my, hear my, send me. I trust you were able to sing those, and they're true to your own heart and life. Faithful stewards is what I want to focus on this morning. Faithful stewards from 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Or in the King James Version, out of which I had memorized most of my scriptures as a kid. Moreover, it's required of a steward that one be found faithful. Moreover, it's required of a steward that one be found faithful. A steward is one who has been given a trust. Responsibility to care for the possession or resource belonging to someone else. And to do so according to the instruction and the expectations of the owner. It's the only requirement listed here in terms of our stewardship that being faithfulness. Only one requirement, that being faithfulness. Now, I, along with probably a lot of the staff and professors here, have filled out numerous uh, reference forms for students over the years, Um, some for summer work, some for graduate studies, some for scholarships. And uh, as staff and faculty, most of us have undergone annual reviews as well. And it's interesting, the questions that are asked on those reference forms and annual views, how we evaluate, how we understand and characterize a person. All kinds of complicated and sometimes obscure questions are asked on those forms. All kinds of detail that is asked for with ratings of one to five, sometimes one being high and five low and sometimes the reverse, and you hope you get it right. What would our reference forms and annual reviews look like if it was just this one question, this one requirement that's laid out? How faithful a steward are they? This statement, I think, begs at least two questions as I read it. The first being, with what have we been entrusted? And the second, what does faithfulness then look like? So first of all, with what have we been entrusted? The simple and broad and somewhat ambiguous answer is everything. Everything we have, life itself, is a gift from God. It's a trust. But allow me to highlight a few components of everything for us this morning. The first thought I had was creation. Now, those of you that know me know that I'm a naturalist. And just to clarify, that's different than a nudist. Um, Some people get those things confused, and they are very different. I'm one who has embraced the Great Commission to go and disciple the nations. But I also embrace what I see as the first and never rescinded commission that we were given, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over it. God has entrusted to us the care of his creation. And, and we care for his creation because God's first and ongoing 
revelation of himself is through that which he's made. And the psalmist and Paul in Romans tell us that, that all men, in observing that revelation of God of himself through creation, can see his glory, can know his invisible qualities. And so we care for this earth to which we've been entrusted as, as caretakers. In this passage, out of which this verse, 1 Corinthians 4.2, flows, it's always helpful to read the verses around the verse that you're speaking from. And so verse 1 says that we, have, we are servants and we have been entrusted with the mysteries of God, the secret things of God, his very word. And so you and I are stewards of that word. And, and Paul tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen who are unashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's one of the reasons why I know many of you are here at Tyndale today, so that we would steward well the mysteries of God with which we have been entrusted. Another thing that God has given us, entrusted to us, is the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us there that God, through Christ, was reconciling the world to himself, and he has entrusted to us, given to us as a trust, that ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore his ambassadors, and we appeal to you on behalf of God, be reconciled to him. How do we steward that trust of reconciliation? We steward it not only by proclaiming it, but by living it in our lives with one another in community. We live reconciled lives with each other. That means extending grace. It means extending forgiveness and walking together. Matthew 25 talks about another trust. Um, Jesus told a, a parable of the talents. And it's the idea of, of being given a resource. God has given us a resource on all, all sorts of different levels, and we have to steward that resource. Now, as poor, financially strapped, indebted students, you may not think that you have an awful lot to steward on that level. And maybe your bank account may tell you that. But let me assure you, and those that are stepping to other parts of the world and stepping into context of abstract poverty will be able to tell you that you are a rich, rich people. You have choices today. You have food to eat. You are a rich, blessed people. And you need to learn to steward that resource that is in front of you in a way that's honoring to God. Resource of time. How do we steward our time? What do we give it to? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about another trust, a spiritual gift that the Spirit gives to us as he wills, and we're asked to steward that gift, to, to let it play out in our lives in such a way that it serves one another and serves the purposes of God. We're told that we're given that spiritual gift also with a trust of a measure of faith and of grace. And those are the, the packages out of which we serve with our gifts. Acts 1.8 is another trust. Jesus says, you will receive power. You will be given power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we steward that trust of power by being his witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. As I mentioned before, we've been given the Great Commission. That's a trust as well. 
a commission to go as we go, wherever we go, to disciple the nations, to baptize them, to teach them everything that Jesus has instructed. And so we steward that trust by going in obedience, by treating every relationship that we encounter as one of discipleship, by seeing each other in that light, walking with them, speaking spiritual truth into their context as we walk together. We've been given a trust of opportunities, of choices. We've been given a trust of each other, of life itself. And so the list goes on. Well, having been given all of those trusts to steward, what does faithfulness look like? Let me modify that question a little bit to get to the same end. Who does faithfulness look like? Who comes first to mind when you think of faithfulness? Hopefully there's a few, a few examples that you can look to and model your life after. As one of my friends said, to steal their character. It's the only thing we're allowed to steal as Christians, steal other people's good character. Who comes first to mind when you think of faithfulness? Well, I don't have to think very far. Um, The first people that come to my mind are my parents, and they just happen to be here today. I don't ask them to stand. Just wave mom and dad there. I get to embarrass them. This is every preacher's kid's um, dream, (laughs) is to embarrass your parents having been embarrassed by uh, sermon illustrations your whole life. (laughs) So watch out, mom and dad. That always changed my name, but we knew who it was. <laughs> I've been entrusted with a godly heritage. I didn't always appreciate that trust. I didn't always acknowledge that trust. At one time, I tried to run from that trust. Our godly heritage is wonderfully entwined with this place called Tyndale. And the wonderful heritage that this place is. My mom and dad are graduates of this place, 1949. So that's 63 years ago they graduated. Uh, My grandparents are graduates of this place, 1917. In fact, I think they met here, so that was happening even way back then. (laughs) My great-grandparents were missionaries with the China Inland Mission. So my dad's mom, my grandma, was born in China. And um, if you know the history of of Tyndale, that goes back to the late 1800s. This place was begun, in, in part at least, by the appeal of Hudson Taylor, who began the China Inland Mission as a place of training for missionaries that would go to China. And my family was a part of that. I've been given that trust and my wife and I have sought to, to steward that trust in the lives of our own children. And we trust in the generations that follow as well. Godly heritage. My dad was saved at the age of eight. So it's 82 years ago. Uh, Lord willing, by God's grace, if dad sees tomorrow, he will turn 90. So that's pretty cool. 
So that means he's been walking faithfully with the Lord, or he would say the Lord has been walking faithfully with him for 82 years. Interestingly, uh, Dad was saved out of the ministry of some Irish missionaries with what's known as the Faith Mission, which is the very mission that we're partnering with in sending our six folk to Ireland. Um, so kind of payback, I guess, to Ireland for, <laughs> for having come and administered so faithfully here over the years. Over 60 years, Mom and Dad served in pastoral ministry. This June, celebrating 66 years of marriage. What a wonderful example, model of faithfulness, of their faithfulness to each other, faithfulness to the Lord, and God's faithfulness in their life. But faithfulness, I would suggest, is not simply measured by longevity, by years of service, by survival. It's about dynamic. It's about character. It's about principle. It's about integrity of life. It's about faith. And those things are true of my parents as well. Mom and Dad made a promise to each other in their late teens, just before Dad went off to serve in World War II as a stretcher bearer. He spent just over three years in Sicily and Italy and other places helping to pick up the pieces of, of men who were injured in that war. And Mom waited for him. Not just waited, but prayed and wrote letters faithfully. And, uh, and they kept their promise. And they came back together. Faithfulness is marked in their compassion. Another dynamic or quality of their life. Not only compassion for those that they've served in pastoral ministry, but they served as foster parents. And I think to some close to 100 children over a number of years. Um, So for me growing up, I had three siblings by blood. And I had one, two, three, four different siblings at different times in my household uh, over those years. Uh, Often I would go to sleep and there might be one or two children sleeping in the bed next to me and I'd wake up in the morning and there were maybe one or two more that arrived in the night. Many of them from broken contexts and mom and dad served with compassion and taught that to us as children. Faithfulness in their giving. We were a family that never had a lot. Uh, Dad did home mission work in his pastoral ministries, but we always had enough. And out of the little that we seemingly had, Mom and Dad were faithful and always putting aside the first fruits, giving back to God first, not leftovers, not extras, but always the first. Faithful in prayer. I'm sure I'm standing here today because of their faithfulness in prayer and many, many others like me. Faithfulness and encouragement. Dr. Bill McRae spoke to us about that last week in chapel. Um, Mom and Dad have had this wonderful ministry of writing letters through the years. Now, a lot of you don't know what that is. <laughs> it's, it's different than tweets and uh, text messages and Facebook status updates. It's uh, taking paper and putting a pen to it <laughs> and writing these long journals of sharing news and Often that news was uh, insight into what new things God was teaching them and doing in their midst and uh, encouraging others. In the 12 years that our family served in Africa, mom and dad faithfully wrote, I think almost every single week, one one or the other of them to us. um, And those letters were phenomenal encouragement. 
faithful in knowing and teaching God's word. Knowing and teaching God's word. There aren't too many people I know in this, in this world that know the word of God like my mom and dad. I think most of the scriptures I know, I, I know by osmosis um, of having lived in their household and sat under dad's teaching uh, for so many years. Uh, compare scripture with scripture and teach the whole counsel of God are the mantras of my dad through his ministry. And so the list goes on. Perfect, no, but faithful by God's grace, yes. That's a little bit of what faithful stewardship looks like. To understand what faithful stewardship looks like, we also have to understand the character, the heart, the design, and the expectations of the owner because we're only stewarding what the owner has given us. Let me highlight just two of those that I think are quite clear from the scriptures. First, faithful stewardship is always about investment. Faithful stewardship is always about investment. It's not evaluated based on how much it costs, but rather on its return. You're not spending... 40 or 50 or $60,000 on your education. Hopefully, you're investing that amount in years of formation that hopefully lay a solid foundation for a return over many years of livelihood and service to come. We're not spending two to $4,000 on a two to four week mission trip for the students that are heading out. We are investing that amount into you, each of those students, and an opportunity for impact and formation that may last for eternity in your lives and those lives with whom you intersect. God expects a return on our investment of this trust, and it's always measured in eternal terms. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Faithful stewardship is always about investing for a return that lasts. And then secondly and lastly, faithful stewardship is mindful of what is our trust and responsibility and what is God's. Faithful stewardship is mindful of what is our trust and responsibility and what is God's. This passage of 1 Corinthians 4 really flows out of Paul addressing an issue a concern, a problem in the church in Corinth. That's described in the first few chapters, chapter 3 in particularly, where he's talking about the divisions and factions that have formed within that congregation as different ones were, were becoming groupies of Paul or Apollos and were dividing themselves and were focusing on men rather than the message that the men were bringing. And Paul very clearly in that context says, One, we as his servants really are nothing, and faithful stewardship is always surrounded with humility. But two, what we are responsible for, what we've been given, is the task of planting and watering. And that's it. That's what we're responsible for to to steward, is to plant and to water. God's responsibility is to bring the increase. You and I are responsible to create an environment for God to produce fruit, recognizing that God is the one who produces it. 
One of the greatest challenges of the Christian worker is to allow the Holy Spirit to be the conscience of the people. We so like to dictate and control and manipulate and evaluate the outcomes. We like to decide this is what it should look like. But we've been entrusted with planting and with watering. And we need to understand our part. Do it with excellence, but not to overextend into God's domain and manipulate the results. He at times gives us the wonderful privilege of sharing in the harvest. But our stewardship is evaluated on our faithfulness in planting and in watering. Our reward at the end of the day is just as we sung a few moments ago. Each and every day, the praise and pleasure of the owner, well done, good and faithful servant. So I encourage you today, invest well, plant well, water well, and give God the glory for the return. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the trust that you've given us. We pray that you would give us the discernment, the wisdom, the understanding, the discipline, all that it takes, Father, to steward well what you've given us. We long today, each and every day, and on that final day, to hear your words of commendation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of commissioning now, and um, the man that I've asked to offer this prayer of commission is my dear friend, Dr. Tim Cudmore. Uh, Tim comes to us from England, and he's just here visiting for a few days, and we're so glad that he's able to share in this day. Um, He is the newly appointed uh, director of ministry for Christ Church Fullwood in Sheffield, England, and he and his family served with us most of our years in, in Zambia and Namibia alongside, and, and they've become dear friends and shared in ministry together. So I'm going to ask Tim to come forward. As he comes, I'm going to ask all of our teams to stand where you are. Those heading out on the mission teams, if you would just stand where you are. So they're scattered around a little bit. And, um, and then I'm going to ask those of you who are in close proximity to them, And if they don't have anyone real close, some of you may need to wander. So if you're behind them or next to them or in front of them, if you would stand and if you would lay your hands on them, uh, do that gently, but uh, lay your hands on them. So hopefully all of them are surrounded on various sides. If we have a few more folk come, you want to wander up front here and surround the Japan team since they're standing in the front. And if you're not in close proximity, I'll invite you to stand where you are as Tim prays. Following Tim's prayer of commission and blessing, um, I've asked uh, Emily to to sing a song that she wrote a number of years ago. It's become one of my favorite songs and I think very appropriate for uh, what we've shared from God's word today and the focus of uh, faithful stewardship. Let's pray together. Uh, Let's uh, pray together. Our God in heaven, we uh, praise you that your glory is our highest vision. We thank you that out of the whole universe, it uh, would be our world that you chose to love. 
and send your son. We thank you that that is a reminder to us that we're part of something far bigger uh, than ourselves today. We thank you that we can be part of that outworking of that greatest plan for this world, the unfolding uh, cosmic story spanning uh, eternity. And that we should be invited to join that uh, is humbling uh, and we're grateful. We thank you that your uh, word reminds us today that uh, it's good and pleasing to you that all men should be saved and come to a knowledge of your truth. Mm-hmm. That there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Uh, the man, Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in our world where many still don't, do not know this mediator, we do pray today. We thank you that you want all to be saved. We thank you, uh, too, for the clarity that no one can be saved outside of Christ Jesus. And so we pray today for our uh, teams here who will uh, quite literally uh, span the globe as they move around the world. We pray for the teams to Zambia and to Japan, to Thailand, uh, to Alaska, to Ireland, uh, to Camden. We pray that they would have a settled conviction that the gospel is the only answer to the root cause of our natural rebellion against, uh, against you. We pray for great confidence in your word to do its work by your spirit in the lives of people. And as they relate to one another in their teams, would you give them great care at considering others at all times better than themselves? And we pray too that you would make it difficult enough that they may grow in their trust of your daily provision for them. We thank you for this opportunity to serve in the next few weeks and months ahead in a culture other than their own in a foreign place and may this lead to a life lived wholeheartedly for Christ. May they return with more questions than they left with, more confidence in the power of the gospel to do its work, and may they be privileged enough to see the growth of the gospel around the world. May you keep them faithful to the truth of the gospel, entrusted to them, faithful in prayer, in giving, in encouraging. And we do pray... As we've spoken of this morning, that these few weeks of investment would see a great return of glory to you. We're humbled that a few weeks of faithfulness may bring eternity to the lives of some. And we pray to this end. And we pray these things uh, for the good of these uh, dear people and for your glory. We pray, people of God, that... Uh, you would pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses and in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Amen. Please do take a seat. Mm-hmm.